0: Hey everybody, this is Craig Perra and you are listening to Sex Afflictions and Porn Addictions. Welcome to my podcast. I am so excited that you guys are here. We're now on Facebook Live right now looking out over there um, and uh, and recording this podcast for you. Such a privilege to be um, part of your lives and to be the guy that you come to to talk about sex, baby. Um, Such a Broken part of ourselves and our society. Just look around, just look around, and um, you see brokenness, and that brokenness is having an impact. And today, I want to talk about that brokenness. Um, I want to help you label that brokenness, or better yet, I want to give you some additional labels for that brokenness um, to help you become the best version of you and look at your problems from a multifaceted perspective. Versus just what you might simply be reading about online. and today we're going to talk about three labels that are better than the label of sex addiction and porn addiction and So why do we even have to have this discussion? We have to have this discussion because if you are struggling with compulsive sexual behavior if you are struggling with problematic sexual behavior if you are struggling with um your sexuality in any way shape or form and any of it it is compulsive you probably have or someone has labeled you a sex addict sex addict or a porn addict that's the lens through which you've probably found me by googling those two terms and those terms are helpful in that they let us know we're not alone in terms of this part of us being broken it tells us that we're That there there may be a path to help us um, not just stop doing the thing, right? Because you guys are here because you want to play chess versus checkers. I want you to play chess versus checkers. So the ultimate goal has to be creating um, healthy sexuality. So we have to be having this discussion for a number of very important reasons because of the limitations of the sex and porn addiction label. Okay? So let's start with the American Psychiatric Association has rejected repeatedly the inclusion of sex addiction, porn addiction um, into the DSM, the Bible of mental health disorders, right? And for valid reasons, a number of valid reasons, we've covered those in other podcasts. Um, but, but, but it's not some conspiracy to suppress this medical condition. It's just simply that uh, not only is the science not there, Um, it's not wise to label this as an addiction as will be evident, evident by the time you're done with this podcast, right? I'm going to help you, um, look at it from a number of different perspectives. And that's why today we're talking about, I'm going to share with you three better labels than sex addiction, um, and porn addiction. Um, and so the APA has rejected sex addiction or porn addiction for inclusion in the DSM, which is the Bible of mental health disorders in this country. And another professional association, the American Society for Sex Educators, Counselors and Therapists, one of the leading professional associations for sex educators, counselors and therapists since 1967 is on record in writing on their website, Google ASEC, you know, those abbreviations and position on sex addiction, and you will read their paper, which says, which says that that model um, falls beneath the standard of care It is, in fact negligence for practitioners to utilize it. And they note that the problem is far more complicated, far more complex than calling it an addiction. And I think that's true with all addictions. So, um, First, I want to say, or second or third or whatever I am right now, listen, if that model's working for you, goodness gracious, please stop listening. Don't, don't, you don't need to hear anything else. Like, that's great. When studied, the 12-step disease-based model, for example, according to a study um, performed by Columbia University, I think the Columbia study is one of the largest studies on the subject, found that the uh, model has an efficacy, an effective rate of keeping people sober. Of um, I think it was ten to twenty five percent, ten to twenty five percent in that study. Um, so so that's just the science, right? So that means it doesn't work for everybody. That doesn't mean it doesn't work for everybody. And if you're here, it probably hasn't worked for you. And if it's worked for you, great. It's got you to stop doing the thing, but you're not even halfway there yet, because the destination has to be. If you're listening to my voice, the destination has to be healthy sexuality and great life so we have to have this discussion because the sex addiction and porn addiction label um, is limiting is limiting it's not going to get us as far as we need to go it may help us and provide us with some tools to stop doing the thing but this is our sexuality this is this is we've got to do better than that we've got to make that part of ourselves healthy And in part, doing that is cultivating a great life. So let's talk about um, the first of the three labels that I want to talk about today that are better than sex addiction or porn addiction, okay? Number one is intimacy disorder. Intimacy disorder. What is it? What does it mean? Why is it better? So with every client that I have ever worked with and and including myself, I have found a man who is compulsively using pornography, compulsing acting out sexually and, and he's not doing something else. He's not connecting with his partner. He's not engaging. He's not, um, it doesn't come natural for a variety of different reasons. And when you look at this problem from just beyond the addiction lens, you see that this, this, this every client that I virtually ever worked with will say that, yeah, they have some form of an intimacy disorder. Now, that is not that's not a recognized term in the DSM. I'm not I'm not not I'm not suggesting it is and neither is porn addiction or sex addiction. So let's give this one some reflection and ask yourself, are you feel like you're struggling with an intimacy disorder. What if you started your journey and found a website, like the first thing you saw was, instead of you having an addiction, um, you had an intimacy disorder. And that forces you to examine um, your, your, your inability to connect, right? The opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. I love that quotation. And and by looking at the connection and the breach around one's ability to communicate that love, intimacy, sexual drive to another human being, um, I think that some of you can gain incredible insight by looking at your condition as if you had an intimacy disorder. Now, now, you've got to fill in some of those blanks. What does that mean to you? What does it mean when you have an intimacy disorder? But look at your behavior and look at, instead of the focusing on where the behavior is going, focus on where it's not going. It's not going to your partner. It's not, it's not directing there and, and asking yourself the hard question, why? Why might it not be? Um, why, might, why might it not flow? organically in that direction and that's because you have an intimacy disorder and by examining that flow you're going to learn a lot about yourself and you're also going to learn a lot about your relationship because there is a relationship dynamic in every single case that I have ever worked on everyone this isn't blaming the partner let me make this clear no one's blaming anybody but is there a complicated relationship dynamic going on when One guy's behavior is all the way over here and the partner's over here and there's that massive disconnect. Is there a relationship dynamic at play? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. To believe otherwise to be led to believe otherwise by crap you read on the internet, um, is to your detriment. It is to your detriment as the partner and to your detriment as the person, as the addict, um, is to not reflect on the complicated relationship dynamics. Um, and the sex addiction label, I think, blurs that. In fact, one of the places where the label um, has the most impact, negative impact, is in the relationship context, creating this one up, one down power dynamic uh, where the entire relationship is seen through the lens of the addiction. And um, that virtually almost always flawed in my experience. So um, what do you think about intimacy disorder? What do, what do, what do you, what do, how does that fit with you? How does that feel? How does that um, reflect with, with, with um, you know, your reality? You know what I'm saying? So think about that, think about that. Think of, um, you know, um, what if um, or, or in addition to your sex addiction, um, you were also diagnosed as someone um, with an intimacy disorder. Um, what would that mean? You know, what symptoms are present with an intimacy disorder, um, and, uh, and and ultimately, what's the remedy? And the remedy is connection, connection deep with self, connecting to someone else, and um, developing a sexual authenticity uh, that you may have never had before. And that leads me to my second point. So. Um, the second label that I think is better than sex addiction, um, or at a minimum illustrative to you, you don't have to think it's better, but, but, but I, I promise you it's going to help you think of this problem in a much, 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 much better perspective. Um, and that is, uh, sexual authenticity disorder. Sexual authenticity disorder. That is another lens through which you can examine your um, behavior to help you better understand yourself, to help you find your path to healthy sexuality and a great life. So let me tell you where this term came from. One of the things that I've really prided myself on is having my feet in both communities, the sex positive community and the sex addiction community. Um, I believe that that um, willingness and openness to uh, uh, um, uh, accept alternative viewpoints to challenge my belief system um, have led me to to be much better equipped to help my clients and just read my testimonials. I got 100 of them and they're all fucking great. (laughs) Great, they're great. I'm so proud of that. that and that's why this is one of the reasons why I'm able to bring them a much deeper education and knowledge base of information to help them understand themselves so always proud that I've had my foot in those two places and that has made me a better person that has made me a better coach and so one of the people that I connected with was Galen Faust. And um, he's a kink guy. He's an author in the kink space. He sells a kink swing, one of those swings that you hang up and you know your partner sits on and 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 does all sorts of freaky things. So um, a place that uh, was uncomfortable for me, um, um, you know, a guy who was so out there with his kink desires and fetishes, you know, knowing that that would, uh, you know, be seen by some in my audience as you know, too triggering or, um, disgusting. But what I've learned is that people do in their bedrooms, you know, is, uh, it, it, it you know, if it's consensual, if it's authentic, and, uh, we all have different aspects of our sexuality. And for so many men, um, they're maybe aggressive, dominant, or in, in some cases their submissive nature has been shamed, Um, or they feel shame around who they are sexually, so, so Galen um, in, uh, came up with this this concept called sexual authenticity disorder. We've done a podcast on it. We're doing another podcast, another webinar coming up on it soon. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's a great topic. So, so here, here's what it is, right? I'm just looking at some of the notes that I had on the webinar that we did. Um, so, well, what is it? What, what is sexual authenticity disorder? And then for those of you who have just joined me late in this podcast, Uh, We're talking about um, three better alternatives to the sex addiction label. First one being intimacy disorder. Second one being sexual authenticity disorder. Here it is. The definition, the deep seated fear of revealing or others discovering the hidden aspects of your sexuality. Hold up. (laughs) That Nate dog just said, hold up. The deep seated fear of revealing or others discovering the hidden aspects of your sexuality. Think about that for a second, brothers. Okay, think about that darker part of your sexuality. Think about where your pornography use has gone. Maybe it's uh, you know, instead of a mirror of your sexuality, it's become a broken, twisted, um, but a reflection nonetheless of what it is. And if that part of you, if that darker part of your sexuality doesn't flow in the context of your relationship, you've got a sexual authenticity disorder. So sad, we'll call it sad, which is just great, by the way, is often the result of growing up in a restrictive, shaming, sex-negative, morally judgmental, family, religious, and or social culture. Our attitudes around sexuality are programmed. Period. End of story. Program. How you think about sex isn't some conscious, complete awareness thing that just is natural and flowing. No, it is a function of your programming as it is all your likes and dislikes. Uh, You can't can't get away from, well, you can get away from that, but you have to uh, be aware of it um, and acknowledge that. So the individual afflicted with Sexual authenticity disorder was never allowed honest discussion, nor encouragement about their personally natural sexual desires that did not conform to the narrow range of sexuality expected by the parent culture. That is a solid definition. Boom! I mean, so much better than and and and, and well, okay, okay, so much better than the label porn addiction, um, sex addiction. Because again, I mean, listen, folks, you have been listening for a long time. You know the sex addiction and the porn addiction is always the symptom. The behavior is always a symptom. That's why we're having this conversation, looking at alternatives to a label that is inevitably will end up holding you back, will end up holding you back. So what are the symptoms of sexual authenticity disorder? I love this. Secretive expressions of your true desires. Secretive expressions of your true desires, right? How many people are engaging in behavior that isn't an expression of their true desire, but there are elements of that truth in it. And that's the really, really tough part, looking in the mirror. Um, porn you, strip club, prostitutes, pornography. A traumatizing fear of getting caught. Elaborate lying, hiding. Cheating to avoid discovery, participating in high risk behaviors that could lead to disastrous outcomes. For example, watching porn at work. Your company probably has an internet usage policy that has zero tolerance for porn at work, um, and that would be a disastrous outcome. Here, here's some more symptoms of sexual authenticity disorder physical restrictions in the throat area when trying to speak about your sexuality avoidance of eye contact and other body centric analogs of the emotional fear dropping into a deep level of shame, fear and guilt after the secretive expression. So um, like, like just, just, just think about that. Think about your secrecy. What are you ashamed of? What are you ashamed of? And what aspects of your sexuality scare you? So, for example, I have a dominant component to my sexuality. And that wasn't something I could express with my partner. That was dirty and disgusting. And, 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 and that was, there was shame around that. And, 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 and uh, you know, wanted to, you know, give her a spanking, wanted to be a little firm. And, and that's my dark side. That's the disgusting side. That's the part of me corrupted by pornography no man that's fucking me that's me doesn't mean i gotta do everything that i see but to ignore that part of me to not allow that part of me to flow it created a terrible amount of resentment with with with, with my wife who was open who was willing who wanted to share and, and commit i i i i my my addiction my stats I, I stole that i stole that from us i stole that exploration I concluded that that wasn't for her, or or I was too afraid. I was too afraid to, to bring that into the relationship, did not have the courage. And so think about these symptoms, think about the lack of honesty that you have in your sexuality. How often has your partner said to you, do you like that? No, I don't like that. Bullshit, stop fucking lying, stop lying. Just stop lying. Be honest with who you are. Be honest with what flips your switch. Recognize that, that that's going to flow. you are going to channel that. You keep stuffing that down, you're going to keep having the sex addiction. You're going to keep having the porn addiction. Right? <laughs> so what's the cure <clears throat> around sexual authenticity disorder? And uh, again, we are talking about three better labels than sex addiction or porn addiction. And first label that we talked about was sexual, uh, well, was intimacy disorder. That was a good one. The second one we talked about was sexual authenticity disorder. And, 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 and what's the cure? Okay. Sexual honesty. Understanding your innate, authentic sexual themes of expression. Healing past traumas that have embedded shame, fear, and judgment about your sexual desires and expression. Learning to be empowered, mindful, and present when expressing your sexuality. Well, goodness gracious, wouldn't that be nice? That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Negotiating for what you want with current or new partners. Having the intention to be in integrity with the agreements that you make with your partners. So the purpose of this podcast is to highlight obvious limitations of the disease-based model to expand the scope of your knowledge around alternatives. And so far, we've talked about two alternatives to the sex addiction um, and porn addiction label. And um, first one being an intimacy disorder, second one being uh, sexual um, authenticity disorder. And here's the third one. I first want to ask for your forgiveness before I deliver this third one because I do not mean to offend anybody. Uh, but I, 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 I'm a proponent of blunt speak. Um, I think that there's no possible way that you can take this third element out of the equation when talking about our selfish, son of a bitch, and despicable behavior. And that third characterization or label is asshole asshole are you a fucking asshole what do i mean by that what do i mean by that and why am i saying this for those of you can see me with a smile on my face um nobody wakes up in the morning and says you know what i'm gonna fuck my vows i'm gonna just really really screw things up i'm just gonna be an asshole today I'm going to disrespect my partner in a profound way. Um, I'm going to lie about shit that I should never lie about. That, 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 you know, and then, then project it onto her because I'm too much of a testicle to um, uh, have the courage to say what's going on in my life and what I'm struggling. And, um, you know, I remember um, kind of thinking and, and, and realizing, you know, okay, I have a disease. And this was very early on in my recovery. And it felt, it felt, it felt a little good. It felt a little good because it kind of was an excuse, right? It definitely was an excuse. It's definitely, if you get a disease, it's an excuse. I don't care how you look at it. Uh, can, can you have full autonomy, full agency, and a disease at the same time? I don't think so. I'd love to hear some of my ethical and intellectual listeners to uh, you know, write a paper on that. I don't think they can coexist, and and you know I I I got to a place where the mistakes kept happening, the screw ups kept happening, and and I just had to once and for all, um, you know, look at myself in the mirror, and I got to tell you, it was it was refreshing. It's refreshing to this day, and I feel good about it. This may make some of you sad, but I was a fucking asshole. I jeopardized my job. I was picking up streetwalkers in my car. Now you can get arrested, expose my family. Who does that? An asshole. I was lying to my wife, stealing money from the family to pay for sexual outlays, or I would get high and, 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 and hang out with. People who could blackmail me, people who could expose me, people who weren't my wife or my kids. Asshole. I was spending thousands of dollars at one point at strip clubs. And I find it very liberating to acknowledge that about myself. And I find in my work with men and helping them recover from unhealthy sexuality, and help them create the best version of themselves is to have that real, real conversation. Like, wait a minute, I'm an asshole. And I think it's a powerful place to recognize um, that that, that you've you've certainly um, engaged in asshole-like behaviors. Whatever words you want to use, whatever words comfortable for you, 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 you fit it in. Um, but I think it's important to uh, step outside of the, the disease, step outside of the, um, uh, of, the, of the brokenness, because there are a lot of broken people who don't lie and cheat on their wives. Right? There are a lot of broken people who don't lie and cheat on their wives. And um, so, so now, and and is there an input that produces the output? Absolutely, every time. Garbage in, garbage out. Uh, but but from the present, in the present moment, looking at my behavior and realizing that I was just an asshole, had a profound impact on my um, my my desire not to be an asshole. And if I'm not going to be an asshole, then what am I going to be? What is the best version of myself? What does that look like? What does that feel like? How does that smell? And I know, I know because I touch that space once a day, once every other day, a few times a day where, bomb, I am just on fire. Often happens in my one-on-one coaching sessions where I am just helping guys Accelerate so rapidly and going so deep and, and and bringing them the practical and bringing them the death and helping them see things that that despite years of therapy in many cases years of self help they haven't seen before. So I know what it feels like to 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 be firing on all cylinders. I guess I just went off into a little commercial break there, by the way. But I'm proud of my work, guys. It's it's uh you know I know I. I am. am. I'm really, really proud of what I do. I'm blessed to do it. Um, You know, I I love what I do and I do what I'm best at. So uh, anyway, pardon me for for bragging, but uh, I do know that I've touched the best version of myself and it's not an asshole. It's someone who is kind, who is loving, who is empathetic, who puts other people first. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time. I'm never going to be an all the time guy. My wife's an almost, all the time she is such a giver right i'm a taker and um but uh i want people around me now to um you know have a positive experience and um you know really really um make people's lives better in, in, in my personal life and professional life so Anyway, those are three labels that I want you guys to think about over the course of the next week. I'm back on track with my podcast, which I'm really excited about that. So blessed that you guys are listening. So grateful to have you out there in Facebook Live land. And, um, yeah, email me your questions. But, I mean, if you're struggling, I got an online program that's only $49, guys. So, So, you know, some of you are just like, ah, You know, I mean, like, just get on it and have your life stop sucking. You join the program. You do some exercises every week. You participate in a couple of group coaching calls. Your life changes. You learn powerful tools. You elevate. Um, So um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, don't, don't. This 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 group coaching isn't some alternative. Um, For many people, it is their primary recovery modality and it is powerful again with seven group coaching calls per week so check that out on the mindfulhabit.com so privileged to have you guys here with me on your journey Um, also want to announce we've launched the partner empowerment group for so you partners who are listening um, that is live so you can reach out to um, support at themindfulhabit.com to get a special link to join that partner empowerment group We launch everything slow. There's no big, big, big launch. We find that doing that um, allows us to make sure we're taking care of people uh, because there's always questions. We want to, you know, we we, we, want to keep this uh, the way it is and uh, truly blessed, truly blessed. Remember, life is too short to suck. Embrace your power of choice. Bye, everybody.